Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Discussing Trek as we're going to talk about the season two premiere episode of Strange New Worlds, The Broken Circle. Like always, I'm Rose Clarence. I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting with none other than Larry Irby. How you doing, man? I am here, man. Glad to be here. Glad to have you back, man. I'm glad we have something new and ex- exciting to talk about. <laughs> I'm going to get all you guys' thoughts. Also, we have Kyle Jones on the show. How you doing, man? I am having, and this is self-induced technical video difficulties, but I'm here. That's all that matters because everybody's listening to me can hear me. So that's that's the good thing. I don't want to see myself anyway. So there you go. Hey, man, give, give us that gravitas. We want to hear that voice. We get the <laughs> yes, voice where it's good enough for us, man. Welcome to Star Trek. Also on the show, we have none other than Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? I am good, man. Doing good. But of course, what we do here in this podcast is talk about Star Trek. We review each and every episode we can and just in general talk about all things Trek. And today we're going to be talking about the season two premiere of Strange New Worlds, The Broken Circle. The Broken Circle was written by Henry Alonzo Myers and Akiva Gozman and directed by Chris Fisher. A distress call from Lieutenant Noonien Singh compels Spock to disobey orders and take the USS Enterprise and its crew into disputed space, risking renewed hostilities with the Klingons in a bid to aid their shipmate. So for everyone listening, if you have not seen Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, Episode 1, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward... Spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. The spoiler warning has been dropped. And like always, we go right back to Mr. Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Honestly, you never know. Mr. Jones, do you have anything for us this week? Yes, indeed. I indeed do. And it's very simple. I would like this ship to go. (laughs) Now? (laughs) Now. (laughs) So good. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm going to have a lot to say about that because I feel like this was a very tropey episode. And I have a few of them listed in my notes here that I'm going to bring up. Oh, boy. Let's go around the horn and see what everybody thought of this episode on a very high level. And Larry, let's go right back to you, man. What's your high level opinion of this episode, sir? This episode for me, I liked, I said on uh, Tasha's stream earlier, I said, I liked this episode, but there were things in it that just didn't need to be there. There was just things that were just like uh, what Kyle just did. It's like, okay. I get the joke, but was it? I was more laughing at it than with it. Mm. So, but I I liked the episode. It wasn't it wasn't bad by any state, but it was it, it's, it had problems. John, what do you think, sir? I'm leaving this episode like right now. Give us a true opinion, man. It doesn't matter. I, I want to <laughs> know your true, honest, goodness thoughts on the episode, man. Listen, so I I watched this episode and. I'll tell you, there was a smile on my face from beginning to end. I had no problems with it. It's probably one of the best of the new trick episodes that we've seen since we started this podcast, in my opinion. I don't know. Everybody might think I'm crazy, but for me, myself, like it, everything was perfect for me. I had no problems, but 
I'm sure as we usually do, we're going to dig in some things and we're going, I'm going to think about things you guys say, and it's going to slowly chip away at my high rating and high opinion of the episode. So let's just go ahead and get it over with. <laughs> Mr. Jones, right back to you, sir. Um, high level thoughts. So high level thoughts. And I will say it like this. Since Larry has joined us, I have seemingly tended to agree with Larry a lot. And to the opposite of that, you know, poor Jonathan has like listened to me say, Jonathan, I'm so sorry, but I'm disagreeing with you over and over and over. Tonight, however, Jonathan, I am 100% agree with everything you said. And Larry, unfortunately, I disagree with you. I had so much fun with this. I didn't dislike it at all. I really enjoyed it. Good. <laughs> so I guess it's my turn, man, because... To me, for a season premiere, I expected something a little bit more bombastic, a little bit more, I don't know if I wanted more action or more sciencey stuff, but for me, something just didn't click. It felt like a, and I, I don't think it's a filler, but that's the words I'm going to use. It felt like an episode that set up a bunch of stuff. I feel like it set up a few things that are going to pay off later in the season. I thought it still was a, a season, Isn't that a season premiere, though? But is it though? I mean, yeah, I guess. But usually, there's more meat there. I would think. Mm. Um, and and I'm gonna take that and throw it right back to Larry because I think we're the two people who maybe weren't the highest on the episode. Uh, and I'm just gonna ask them straight up: what is what is something from the episode that you could point to right now that didn't seem like it meshed quite well with you? Well, number one. Chapel and Doctor and Banga being on uh, <laughs> uh, Super Soldier Serum. I say what Tasha <laughs> said, and I'm gonna steal hers. Oh my God, we can beat 15 Klingons. <sighs> it was a little, little ridiculous, little ridiculous. Mm, so, Larry, I know you're a fan of the original series. I was just watching the episode, The Day of the Dove, where there were federation crew members fighting klingons oh, yeah. head on and it did seem like it was you know they were holding their ground pretty well against the klingons so i mean i don't know but getting on the whole super soldier serum thing that just felt weird it felt like they were telling a totally different story that shouldn't be in this episode and i think there's a reason for that i mean no setup really we just see them take this injection oh we need to battle our way to the bridge of this ship they take the injection, they they get strong, <laughs> and they're on their way. <laughs> and they don't tell us anything about it. So I'm I feel like there's something they're gonna have to explain some point in the season, and they're just giving us again a setup for something later. Now, I don't know if that was the right thing to do because if you were like me, I was scratching my head. John, did you have any thoughts about the super soldier serum part of this episode? I don't. I so, and this is probably one of those things that it could potentially be a terrible idea that they did it, or it could be a great idea that they did it. But I think they set it up well as long as they continue it. They gave us enough to intrigue us to say, okay, I'm going to go with that because I'm expecting a story behind that. You know, for whatever reason, this guy always carries the serum with him. She said that. For whatever reason, they. I guess they fought before or this war or something. He was in some sort of war. So like all of that has to be explained. And I I, I think, I think it was good. Like I, I really do. I think it was good. Now 
if we get to the end of the season and like this has not been touched on, this has not been explained or some shoddy explanation, then then we have to revisit opinions from the premiere. Was it worth the time you spent in it in the premiere? Did it hold up? And that that's kind of where it gets to. Yeah, another thing about that was interesting to me is that it seemed like Mbinga and Chapel were in it together. Like they had some backstory that they've experienced together that we don't really know about. So I'm interested to hear more of that play out as well to see like what their relationship was during, I'm assuming, the Klingon War. Kyle, any additional thoughts on, as Tasha puts it in the chat, beast mode Mbinga? <laughs> you know, I think... I liked him better as a character this season and this episode than I did. It seems like he got a better presentation in this episode than he did in season one. I just seemed to have liked him a little bit better. I didn't really understand the super soldier thing. I actually thought that they were doing something that was going to make them look Klingon for a moment. And that was what was about to happen. That's not what happened, but that was my expectation. And then all of a sudden they're hulking out for a minute. Yeah. And I'm going to give a shout out real quick to written in um, in the chat, which she says she loved the podcast. So thank you for joining for the first time. Glad to have you here. And of course, uh, we mentioned Win Grace and Tasha and anybody else that might be listening. Glad to have you all here. But yeah, the whole the serum thing, there's got to be more more story there that we're not getting. So I'm anxious to see what they do with that. But if we take it back to the top of the episode. Pike, Captain Pike, is going off to help Una. We kind of figured that would be the first thing he'd be trying to do at the beginning of the season. So, you know, seeing him do that felt kind of natural. But we see him leaving Spock in charge. He gives Spock the command, temporary captain, until he gets back. So, again, I'm going to my TOS guy here. Hasn't this, isn't this retconning something before in TOS? Because wasn't his first command in the TOS episode, if I remember correctly? You know, I honestly, to me, like in my memory, it all goes together. Mm -hmm. I just can't remember all the times that Spock was in charge because, you know, when we first saw him, he was already first officer. Yeah, that's true. So he took over quite a few times. But um, I don't know. I tell you what is weird, though. Nurse Chapel used to scream at the sight of anything. And then she, she was like special forces the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and I know they didn't give women great writing back then. Mm -hmm. We know that. But I was just like, <sighs> so that that's going to kind of lead me to. And I, I'm sure we're going to have a lot to say on this. To me, the first trope of the episode. Again, I said this is an episode of tropes. The first trope is they get this message from Lon on this Klingon shared Federation planet, uh, Kajitar, and Spock chooses to steal the Enterprise. For, for me, that's just an overplayed trope that I didn't appreciate it all here. I kind of just rolled my eyes when they did it, to be honest. But give me your thoughts. Once again, a ship gets stolen. Isn't that just like too on the nose? It happens so many times at this mm. point. It's just laughable to me. But what are your thoughts? And I, I get you. I get you. Yes, it happens a lot. You got kind of the whole separate the saucer situation going on again. <laughs> but Here's what here's what why I loved it. No one, none of you guys, nobody listening would have expected Spock to steal a starship, a Federation ship. And I think that to me, that's what the focus on that situation. Mm. Like I never once thought, man, they're gonna do this again. Like that never crossed my mind, my brain because I'm thinking 
wait, is he going to steal a Spock on his first command? Captain Pike is gone and he's already knowing he's having emotional issues and Spock is very aware of these issues. So he has to be second guessing every decision he's making because of that. And for Spock just to say, I'm, let's take the Enterprise. Now, we could argue that it was probably the only logical thing to do. Uh, we could argue that maybe his emotions were in control. But either way, I feel like the writers took the focus off of this old redundant trope and kind of put it on kind of not really because Spock's doing it. So technically, I think you're wrong because a trope means that it has to be repeated over and over and over to become a trope. Chronologically speaking, this may be the first time <laughs> that someone has ever stolen uh, the uh, Enterprise. So true. There you go. <laughs> so what we're actually witnessing is history, not a trope. <laughs> Boo. That's that half glass, half <laughs> full attitude there, sir. Thank you, I'm sir. I'm going to say this, Jonathan. I absolutely knew what they were going to do. I knew it as soon as he said no. I said. They're going to steal that damn ship, ain't they? And sure enough, they did. <laughs> I said, okay. See, my thoughts were Spock, Spock was going to figure out some logical way to talk the brass into allowing it to happen. That's what I expected. Now, if there had been any other person on that bridge, then yes, my first thought would have been they're going to take the ship. But it's Spock in command, right? Like, I'm figuring he's going to call somebody. Maybe he's going to have a Vulcan friend that he reaches out to that knows someone in Starfleet command. That gets it done. Like Spock's logic was going to get him out of that. But instead, it's something they played on throughout this episode was not Spock's logic, but Spock's emotion. And Spock's emotion fixed this. Yeah. And let's get into that. We see a very emotional Spock, a Spock who is, I guess, changed since the events of last season when when they encountered the Gorn and he kind of went ham. So he's still (laughs) he's unlocked something that he hasn't been quite able to put back in the box What do you think about Spock in this episode as being an emotional leader, in fact, at this point uh, and his uneasiness about being in command? Mm. So I think it added a more of a depth of a character to him. He he played a good he being Ethan Peck, in my opinion, played a good balance of the Spock we see in the TOS and the Spock that we've seen in Discovery spoilers that is a little unexpectedly Spock. So, you, you know, I think he's he played a good balance between emotion and what we know that he will eventually become by the time the original series timeline rolls around. I like the little subtle things that he did from a little tear there, a little anger there, awkwardness. I know we've already talked about the... um you know, him sitting in the chair and the comment that he made, but just the awkwardness of the expectation, you could just kind of see or feel some of his anxiousness. So I thought he did a good job. I agree. Any other thoughts on, on Spock? Uh, uh, Larry, we had the loot, which we know we'll see again later in this episode as well. And Binga gives it to him. Go figure. Well, you know, I thought it was number one. Ethan Peck is amazing in this role. He just is as a young Spock. And, you know, when you look back at TOS, man, Spock's emotions were always right there under the surface. He had them controlled. and But even the decisions he would make, they would be emotional decisions like I'm going to help Captain Kirk. I'm going to do this. It was always logical, but it was always going to be driven to 
by an emotional response. Mm. He just always kept it well hidden. And I'm going to repeat what Tasha is saying in the chat here by saying we've seen him do it before in TOS. It plays into his emotions and to his loyalty. And that's what we're seeing here with Laon is a bit of loyalty. Maybe his emotions tip into that a little bit, but he's, he's, he's loyal to the crew members of the Enterprise. And, and that's what happens here. So I was happy to see him be a little bit different in this episode. I very much enjoyed that. And we get a comment here from Ren Grace real quick saying the only logical way to truly test the new Enterprise. This is, in fact, the reason he's given for him still the Enterprise. The only logical way to truly test the new Enterprise upgrades is through a real rescue mission. Therefore, we must respond to Lon's request. <laughs> yeah, it's only logical. Let's talk a little bit about those upgrades and chief, well, acting chief engineer for the mission, Pelia, who is the chief lead inspector at, I guess, Star Starbase One, Commander Pelia. A very much unexpected character to me, but I think I had fun with this actor in this episode. I really don't know anything about the actor, but I feel like she did a, a great job and Maybe the voice is a little annoying, but I liked her as being this older. Is it Lathian? Am I saying that correctly? Lathanite. Lathanite, who is just seeking adventure. She's bored. She needs something to put a little action in her life, like the old days. Uh, anybody have thoughts on Pelia in this episode? And, and again, she's the reason they're able to steal the Enterprise in the first place, because Oh, that's not how you simulate a warp core breach. And she gives them the right way to do it in order to get away. I love this character. I love the voice. <laughs> I loved her demeanor. I loved everything she did. She is my new favorite character. I really liked her. I like the quirkiness. I like the unexpected. I like the fact that she basically is telling them, this is what I'm going to do. I may stick around. Not, can I stick around? Can I get a commission? It's like, here I am. Deal with it. I like that. And I've seen this actor on something else, and I don't know what, but I think I liked her on whatever it was I saw her before. I I'm, I agree with you, Kyle. I really love this character, and I love that they did this because, I mean, we and we do have a lot of comic relief in Strange New Worlds between Pike and, you know, just the kind of offhand humor from you get from Spock. But every, like, Enterprise and... Deep Space Nine, Voyager, they all had the quirky, quirky characters like Quark, for instance, Neelix, Dr. Phlox, even Data at times gave us that kind of lighthearted, maybe not technically what you'd expect, just kind of weird sometimes. And it kind of gives you that. And this character gave me that here. And honestly, I just kept every time I heard her, I would think Ferengi, Ferengi, like I was half expecting her to actually be a Ferengi in hiding or costume or whatever. Because mm -hmm. I've never, and I guess I think you guys can probably confirm this first time we've heard of this here, this species and trick, right? Yeah, I think it's because I looked at uh, Memory Alpha. It's only one entry, and that's the entry from from this episode, yeah. which I'm fine with. I like it when they actually introduce. You know, we talked about this on uh, Lower Decks. We get all these references, and we look them up, and the entry you see in <laughs> Memory Alpha is the Lower Decks entry. But I think for this one, they added enough mystery. To right. have lived on Earth for, for centuries and being undetected to the character that, you know, instantly gives it an appeal that I really, really love. I can see how you haven't seen Carol Kane. This That's woman who she is nomi yes. nominated for an Oscar. 
She is. A, she's been around forever. And let me tell you, she was on the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Mm-hmm. She also played the mother of the penguin. Yes. Um, in uh, Gotham. Gotham. She is, she's amazing. I loved her accent on Unbreakable Kimmy, Kimmy Schmidt. But I love this character. Like I said, I did not like the accent because I have heard her do tons <laughs> of accents. And this is by far my least favorite, but it will probably grow on me because I love her so much. Do you think this has, I mean, are they, it's a lot of similarity between the Elorian species as well. Yes. Yes. Live a long time, kind of been living with humans, really fun, but also very wise, you know, knows a lot, kind of unexpected. Like I'm just seeing Guinan all over this. I did. I said the same thing to Tasha earlier. I said, she reminded me of Guinan different. Yes. But, you know, but I was very happy with her character. So uh, let me get to my trope number two, which is the uh, say the thing. Everybody has a thing. Pike says hit it. You know, <laughs> so we talked about how those kind of almost cringy in a sense, but it is what it is. I, I do agree with you that that is a trope that we've been kind of playing at a lot here in the past few tricks. But can we all not say we were just overly anxious to hear what Spock would say. And what he said was so good. Like, I, I don't know. It was a laugh out loud for me. I loved it. If he had said anything else, I'd have been like, eh. If he would have said something serious, I would have been disappointed. Yes, very much. Because then it would have been the trope, right? Like, yeah, now it's a trope. To me, yes. But but to hear Spock say that, like, it's just too good. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, my only reservation is don't put it in the trailer. I think it would have yes, landed. Thank like- you. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say. Yeah, it would have landed so much better if I just would have saw this episode and heard it. I'm like, that is amazing. Or if you hadn't watched the trailer. Okay, can I move on to my third trope? You, you're satisfied, John? No, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I will not let you make this a bad episode for me. But go ahead. Okay, my third trope is drink blood wine to gain trust from a Klingon. It happens twice in this episode. Once with Lon. And at the end with Spock, with the general that came in the D7. Can we quit doing that? I mean, it's done all the time in Star Trek. What did you expect for him to sit down and have a heart to heart and hug it out? That's cleanup. <laughs> Point taken. Cleanups drink a lot, man. You know, I don't right. know, man. Just what they do. It is like it's two ways you're going to earn the trust of a cleanup. Well, I'll say three. Uh, one of them be kill someone, one of their enemies or someone high-ranking in Klingon's culture, or you actually battle that person and make an honorable battle of it, or three, you get drunk with them. And that's been Klingon since the beginning of time. And they can't change it. They're very simple on that. Well, I guess, uh, as, as we said in the chat, you can't change culture, so... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that would be like going and meeting a Ferengi and then expecting them not to try to sell you something. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Which I will say that is one of the things I said about this episode. I always remember the Ferengi rule of acquisition of 34 war is good for business. <laughs> and that's kind of the theme of this episode. So we get into La'an on this planet. She tries to investigate this group. We learn from her is the broken circle. And they want war to happen because, as I just said, rule of acquisition 34 war is good for business, peace is bad for business. And that's kind of the whole purpose of this group, the Broken Circle, is to reignite, restart the the Federation Klingon War. <laughs> so, yeah, 
Uh, I, I had to had to say the clean, uh, Ferengi thing there. But what did you think about Lon in this episode? Her kind of being a a spy sort of working under the table. For me, it just felt weird when the Federation crew got there, the crew Enterprise got there, and they're all like in their, you know, non-standard clothes. I'm like, why are we even, you know, they're going kind of undercover to figure out what's going on here. It all feels just kind of weird to me. But thoughts on Lon in this episode and the Broken Circle in general, their purpose for existing to reignite this war. Uh, every time you say Broken Circle, it makes me laugh. Oh, Broken Circle? It is like, it's so cheesy. <laughs> I was trying to come up with these cool names. Why don't you just name the group the Fuzzy Trivel? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just the Broken Circle. You know who we're with? The Broken Circle. It's like, like I bet you I know what their uh, insignia looks like. <laughs> no, let me guess. A broken circle. Man, you guessed it. Darn it. You know what? I did I did not have a problem. Obviously, you know I'm gonna say this at this point. I didn't have a problem with it. Again, this episode was really good for me. So the whole broken circle thing didn't really stick out to me because I was involved in the overall story of it. So I mean, as you guys mentioned it, could they have come up with a better name? Absolutely they could have. But did it bother me? No, it didn't. And to address something you said, Clarence, they came in their regular non-Federation clothing because the Federation didn't supposed to be there. That's uh, true. Okay, good point. You got me on that one. Good point. Like the Klingons had territorial control for 30 days. 30 so days. If they, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So they had to come kind of incognito. Now, you come out flying around with Federation tech, and I'm sure yeah. someone recognized someone but that makes we'll, sense yeah. hence they were hiding in the uh the ring or the belts they were hiding out there right. so that makes sense so you told right it totally slipped my mind and of course when they got there the girl that they saved in the Gorn episode is like calls them oh, out immediately hey, you. <laughs> yeah cover blown yeah yeah so you're right i guess i forgot about that well uh, quick question clarence uh talking about Laurent, did i say and i've just forgotten did i say last season where i recognized her from because if i did i forgot it I realized yesterday where I know her from. She was Lorna from the forest in the Doctor Who episode, A Good Man Goes to War. Mm. She's the one who the doctor told we ran, didn't we run Lorna? And then she dies. But anyway, spoilers. But okay. um, <laughs> that's, who, that's where I recognize her from. Oh, thanks for spoiling that for everybody. You're welcome. <laughs> that's right. I didn't say why she does, but anyway. <laughs> La- on, I'm going to tell you, La'on... I ain't got nothing bad to say about Lon because that's my girl. I just love, and I, I'm probably am Doctor Who gonna be on her side, but I was, I've always thought that young lady was incredibly good at acting, and the character is still mysterious. I love we still don't know everything about her, and I can absolutely see her drinking with Klingons and burping and they, yeah, yeah. I was cool with that, and she sold that. I think she actually sold that drinking part better than Ethan Peck did, in my opinion. Yes. 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 Well, let's let's talk about, I guess, what might be one of the big things in this episode that we haven't even touched on, and that is the Klingons making an appearance in Strange New Worlds. Uh, we, of course, analyzed the trailer and we saw the look there. We saw the same Klingon in this episode, but we got a varied array of Klingons. And even at one point, it was Spock and Uhura saying that they don't quite understand that dialect of Klingon that they were speaking. 
So thoughts of Klingons in this episode and maybe what we're going to see going forward uh, in Strange New Worlds. Well, the Klingons in this, I loved, but I will say, and I, I touched on this with Tasha earlier, the one guy they had pointed out, uh, that Dr. Mbanga jacks him up. He's like, it's like, man, did they not finish his makeup or is he supposed <laughs> to look that way? Now, mm. what we were touching on, is he supposed to be something different? Because you remember in um, Star Trek, the motion picture, mm-hmm. that was the first new design for the Klingons. Yeah. All their foreheads looked the same. Later on, when we got into the movies with uh, uh, Search for Spock, and you had uh, Christopher Lloyd and John Larroquette, and all of, all of them had different forehead ridges. And then we got into that's the thing. So I loved that, like the one lady who was a Klingon, amazing, beautiful, beautiful makeup. Looked very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the guy who was the main Klingon, I don't know if they over airbrushed him or something because <laughs> his looked weird to me. Not as weird as the other guy in Banga was beaten up, but the, a lot of the backgrounds, they looked amazing. Very happy. I get it. I, I do get it. Like it's, we don't really have a, a, a consensus on what a clean on should look like throughout these series. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. I don't know why they keep changing it like Worf and Martok and Gowron. Like that's what I'm used to. But at the same time, I mean, I can go with it because I mean, how hard is it to believe that there's different cultures and different species of clean on out there? I mean, she said they were using an older dialect. So this could be an older generation of clean ons on this world. And for anybody that's watching the live stream, that can see the image that Clarence is showing that that particular angle reminds me of the with hair, obviously, but reminds me a little bit of the discovery uh, version Mm -hmm. of the Klingons. Yes. I would love to see a scene where there's a council of Klingons and you've got various different looks from the traditional that we've talked about in the movies to the discovery first seasons to what we're seeing now, because if you look at humans, not all humans look alike. That is the beauty when they did the Klingons on the TNG, DS9, or Voyager. The Klingons all looked, they were different shades. They Some were dark, some were light. It, you know, it didn't matter, you know, just like we are. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, our chat is saying as much, Brittany's saying that, they can have diverse features just like humans. And, mm-hmm. you know, we get a second bit of that motion in the chat as well. But, yeah, I agree. I, I love seeing it. And for me, you know, we keep talking about the Klingons of old. We get the Eric's, Eric uh, Singh storyline and then we get the TOS Klingons and then we get the Klingons going forward in the 90s in movies. They kind of fixed it, you know, with the Eric Soon storyline. But. We're back with the Discovery Klingons again, which are, which were done very intentionally. But we're we're to me in my head, I'm trying to rectify all of that. Like, how does all of that fit into this storyline in Discovery? We did see them pull back a little bit in season two with the look of the Klingons to try to come closer to what they looked like in the 90s. But still, it was nowhere close to what we're seeing here, which is almost like you said, Larry, close to what we see in the movies and, and the TV shows going forward. So. I hope there's a story there that they're going to tell. No guarantee that they will. <laughs> Just leave it up to our imaginations. But I wish they would. I wish they would. 
I mean, what story would be acceptable? <sighs> wow me. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, that, like it would be hard to make an explanation for this that covers the entire spectrum of Klingons, right? But we that fixed it acceptable. already, man. We fixed it already yeah. and then we messed it up again, you know? And again, like if you if you already fixed it and then you mixed it, messed it up again, we can't fix it a second time without it. Like you, there's no acceptable way to fix it. So we just have to kind of accept it, which I'm good with. I'll say this as the old man here. You guys have no idea how long this has been going on. This is like just tapping the sur- We could do a two-hour show on nothing but the Klingons and the way they look. There were books that tried to explain that there are regular Klingons and Imperial Klingons, and these were genetically altered. See, they did that way back in the day. So yeah. they could fight humans on human for it. You have no idea. It's, it's insane. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And that's before Discovery. Before I even watched the premiere, the series premiere, which I was on vacation, so I didn't want to watch it there and be distracted. Like I wanted to watch it like when I had could get into it. But of course, all the news feeds come up on my phone. And like the night of the premiere is like every freaking re- news feed comes back. It's saying something about the cleanup. So like, I'm yeah. like, oh, man, is this going to be the main focus? So I was kind of coming into the premiere with the expectation that we were going to have a very, which it was clean on focus, but I thought it was just going to be like very heavy, but I mean, I just kind of forgot about it in the story. So, but you're right. You're right. It, it they have talked about this clean on thing for as long as I can remember in Trek too. Picking up a few comments real quick here from Tasha saying the Klingon Empire is vast. The species has different looks on different planets. I could possibly buy that. Also, when Grace is saying the Klingons talk about the hurt. I'm not sure what that is. Help me out here, guys which is a species that attacked their planet in the past. Maybe the Discovery ones are a klingon Herc mix. Uh, Larry, you seem to know what that is. Can you, can you explain, sir? They were mentioned, but I don't think we ever saw them, Wingrace. You can correct me on that. But they are in Star Trek Online game. Mm. Like, you actually fight against them. And, um, spoilers, if you play this game, you actually do the most Federation thing. We find a way to communicate with them. So mm-hmm. it's very cool. And if they don't, they might hurt you. <laughs> uh, you off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. But I want to get into the what I feel is the man of the hour. That's Mr. Mbinga. Joseph, which Chapel says a lot in this episode, again, leading me to think they have a very close relationship in a past that we really don't know about. And yeah, he mentions that he was on this battle, this moon of Jagal in the battle of Chikana. He mentions that while talking to the Klingon, trying to tell him how he knew how to treat Klingons, which I thought was very interesting. But also in the early parts of the episode, he mentions very intricate details, which to me, they weren't that intricate, but everybody in the in the round table seemed to think he shouldn't know this. He was talking about a photon torpedo and talking about how it gives off this, this, this radiation, this ionizing radiation. And everybody was just kind of weird that he would know that. So I think it goes back to Mbinga doing much more during the Klingon war that, than what we know about. So I'm here for that. I want to, I want to know more about this story. And I think we're going to hear about that in this season. Any thoughts on Mbinga in this episode? And we can take it from, 
any part, even going up into the end where him and Chapel make the the great escape. So any thoughts about Mbingo? I'll say I, I liked it. I loved it. I'm not sure why I liked him more than I liked him in season one. I don't I can't put my finger on it, but I liked him more in this episode. And Banga, I gotta say, if anybody's ever watched Firefly here, Mbanga's character is striking me like the character Ron Glatt Shepherd on that show. He was oh, a, a physician. Do you remember? Yeah, and he yes. was a physician. But there was so much more that we <laughs> and we never got to find out. But we know he had a lot. That's what Mbinga reminds me of. Like, there's, yeah, I'm a doctor, but there's a <laughs> lot more stuff you don't know about me. And I can't wait to find out. He kind of reminded me a lot of Chief O'Brien, you know, and Chief O'Brien really didn't get flushed out in TNG much. So when we see him in DS9, we thinking, OK, we got a transporter chief. It's going to be an engineer. Does he really know about engineering? And then we find out he really is good at engineering, but we don't know why. And as the series progressed, we learn about the Cardassian Wars that he was in and yes. how much of a warrior he was, what things he's had to do in his past and things he has to face in his past. And, you know, just you speaking to him, you never know it. He's the nicest, calmest guy on the station. But you like outside of probably Worf, like he's probably the most battle talented person on the ship. Yeah. I mean, it's just the the secrets of O'Brien that he just never really wanted to share. So I have a question. I mean, we know they fought their way to the bridge and then eventually to get to the black box so they can send a another trope in the episode Morse code to the Enterprise. But I don't get why they couldn't use their communicator. Maybe I missed something in the episode. Did you guys know why they couldn't just use a communicator to talk to the Enterprise at that point? Or did the did were they taken from them when they got brought into that little cave that I guess that might make sense, but they didn't. I don't remember them saying that in an episode. Well, I'm assuming even if they had the communicators, they wouldn't work for whatever reason. Cause you remember the transport operator said he was tracking them and they lost their signal. Hmm. So I'm assuming when they went into that mine, it was blocking whatever kind of communication there was in and out. So the only thing they could get through was the start, the ship's transponder, which I'm assuming operates on a different frequency. Because think about it, and to, to back up what you're saying right there, is if this is underground in a mine that, and they're building the ship, they have to do something to cloak anybody knowing that there right. is a ship down there. Good Not point. necessarily cloak, but to prevent any scanning, to whether it's Federation or whether it's Klingon, from finding the ship they're building. Yeah, good point. So we got the Great Escape, and we see Spock just show all emotion First, well, let me back up a little bit. We see Spock preventing another war from happening by destroying the ship. And Benga and Chapel go out there a lot. They get saved uh, at the last second. They survive. Any thoughts of that end sequence there? Spock's outburst of emotion. Do we pre- we pretty much knew that would happen because of what he's been through kind of throughout this episode, right? Any thoughts on that ending sequence there? It was a great it was a great sequence. I enjoyed it. I I really did. I, I can't say this. I'm glad this wasn't. So this is one trope that could have been played on that you probably would have said something about. So there was a helmet and there was a torso cover of the spacesuit. Yeah. So normally you would expect one person's going to stay behind and one person's going to have to survive. That's kind of what I was expecting. I was like, OK, he's going to send Nurse Chapel and he's going to stay. But 
they ended up jumping out together, which I thought was very well done, but also it kind of laid a groundwork of romantic gesture. Yeah, together, yeah I which picked that I'm, up too. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, and I think you mentioned earlier, you know, it, they definitely had a very close relationship in the past that I'm sure we're going to flush out. But I mean, it seemed a lot more than just like we fought together or we're friends. I'm I'm a hundred percent in agreement with Jonathan on that. Um, you know, even in the picture for everyone that's in the chat, I, I've you know I keep saying this, but even in the picture, the still that you're showing, Clarence, the look that they they have, I you know the eye contact that they're having implies that there's more to them than. You know, a deeper relationship, not saying romantic, but a deeper, deeper relationship. That's what I felt. I felt I don't feel it's romantic of anything. I feel like he's a mentor to her and they've been through. I mean, they're probably going to touch on it. We're probably going to see a flashback or something during the war or why she's so close to him and him to her. I would hope so. And kind of the episode, we learned that there may be a war on two fronts. I guess this is why Pike said in the opening captain's log that, you know, the upper brass felt kind of contentious about something, but we learned that maybe, or possibly there's a war that could be on two fronts because the Gorn are breathing down the Federation's neck. Do we know of a great Gorn war (laughs) in Trek's past that we kind of, uh, have not really fleshed out on screen because again, I know we talked about this last season, but in the TOS episode, it was supposed to be the first time we saw the Gorn. So, thoughts on possibly having a Gorn war here and maybe rekindling the Federation Klingon war? Any any thoughts on that, Larry? Um, you know what? I never have heard of a Gorn Federation war, not in actual canon books, of course, and um, you know, online games and stuff. But I, you know what? I'm loving the Gorn thing. Oh my God, I'm loving it because it's like you have this race of these amazing reptiles that are sentient. And, you know, you just know their cultures evolved so vastly different from mostly the humanoids that we come, we see in Star Trek for reasons called money. But yeah. <laughs> But I, I'm I'm loving the Gorns. I mean, they are truly scary to me, and I like that. And we have yet to find out if it will actually be a Gorn war. Yeah, it's true. Like, I mean, true. I mean, they do have room to establish canon, even though it was never mentioned past that. But I mean, they can kind of explain that away. But maybe it's just going to be one of those things. They're just kind of throwing it out there to kind of give us a what if scenario like have us think you watch trick all your life you've heard about the gorn just think about how bad this could have been and maybe it just kind of rectifies itself in the end all right so uh we're going to get ratings but i want to give a few honorable mentions that came up in the episode that i thought were really cool so chapel is thinking about applying for a fellowship of archaeological medicine on vulcan which uh she says is going to take away from a few months i thought that was interesting and i want to see where they go with that and also i love 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 that ortegas has tweaked the 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 health the <laughs> controls to her the pitching y'all to her liking I I thought that was freaking amazing and here's hopes that we're gonna get more Ortegas this season because you know she want she's one of my favorite characters in in this uh in this show period 
So with that, let's go ahead and get ratings. We didn't get Kyle's ratings because he had to leave, but let's go ahead with the panel that is still here. Jonathan, what is your rating for this episode, sir? Five. All fives. Five. We have not brought him down any. He's going to stay with his five yes. for this episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Fair enough. Larry, how do you rate this one, sir? Okay. I'm going to be honest. I've actually brought my rating up hmm. from where it was. I was thinking uh, about a you know a four or something. I think I'm going to go with a, uh, a 4.5. Oh, wow. Because nice. I did really... Because I did have fun. Some stuff annoyed me, but I did have, and that's it's Star Trek, man. Exactly. Gotta have fun with it. Even when I'm annoyed, I'm still watching Star Trek. Strange New Worlds is fun. Like, that's just, it's fun. I love it. I feel like I'm negative Nancy here because, because, um, uh, you do you. <sighs> man, I'm going to go with a 3.5, man. Oh, and, okay. That's not to say I hated the episode. I thought I enjoyed it. But honestly, I was watching this with my girlfriend. And when Mbinga started fighting, him and Chapel started fighting, we just looked at each other like, what? <laughs> what are we watching here? And honestly, it, it wasn't as good as the Michelle Yeoh fighting in Discovery. I'm just being clear on that. It was it was all right. A lot of camera movements. Oh, now, come a lot on of, now. A lot of switch, a lot of switching around. It wasn't that great. But I know they worked hard, so I'm giving credit. From a fan of fight scenes, I'm going to agree with you, Clarence. This were this was not a great fight scene throughout. I, I can tell. Which I mean, I watched some of the uh, uh, Ready Room interview, and I mean, they were excited. The actors were excited to do it. They had a lot of fun doing it because they never really get to do stunts and physical things. And but it kind of shows when you do this, right? If you don't, yeah. if you're not used to doing that type of movement. If you're not used to being choreographed like that and then you just kind of get thrown into it, you, it's very obvious. Right. And you then you have to cover it up with, like you say, a lot of camera movements, a lot of cutaways, which it wasn't bad. Like I didn't like, yeah. oh, I hate it, but I'm, it wasn't a great fight scene. We've seen Michelle Yeoh, for example, like you said, was a great fight scene. Yeah. Okay, Y'all got to stop with the Michelle Yeoh. Really? <laughs> I mean, she's Michelle Yeoh. May I say Oscar? winner <laughs> which she deserved the woman is a legend i mean come on you know give him a break here <laughs> uh, i'm picking up two covers in the chat but my boy win grace <laughs> but it's better than kirk's double double fist and sideways jump kick hey i love the sideways jump kick i'll take that any day yeah but, you know, I, I, I give the actors a lot of credit because it seemed like they were having fun. I love them giving Umbinga a lot more to do. <laughs> so I'm really down for that. And I'm just going to reel off a few of the ratings from the chat room. We have Retney rating this 3.75. Awesome. We have Justin 34 rating this 8.5 out of 10, which is 4.25 out of 5. Nice. Tosh rating it a 4, a solid 4. So, yeah, um, seems like we have good ratings coming in from the chat room as well. So, guys, we're going to wrap this thing up. If you have any feedback or anything else you want us to know, you can hit us up at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias or fans at DiscussingTrek.com via email. You can also use those outlets to respond to Trek trivia. John, what do you have for us this week? OK. All right. So there has been four clean on drinks mentioned in Trek. One was blood wine. The other one is Rock the Gino. Another one was fire wine. What was the fourth? And bonus extra credit. How is it made? So, you know, I have no idea. 
<laughs> I, I can honestly say I don't either. I thought Rock the Gino was Bajoran. No, it's clean on coffee. Well, there you have it. Trek trivia for this week. I have no idea. So if you're listening, once again, you can hit us up at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias or fans at DiscussingTrek.com via email. And we're going to wrap it up, guys. I appreciate everybody for joining in the chat. It's been a lot of fun. I know we couldn't get to everybody's comments, but I really have had fun reading them and mentioning the ones that we could get to. So thanks to all of you, especially the new people for commenting and joining along. And yeah, that's this been fun, guys. So until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.